Welcome to the podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message brings you hope and encouragement. If you want to share what God has done for you, you can email us at saw at rttnchurch.com. That's S-A-W at rttnchurch.com. SAW stands for Signs and Wonders. And what better way to display God's power than through your testimony? Let's get right into the message. I want to, first of all, thank God for my father who is here. Dad, would you lift your hand? Many people, lift your hand. Quit being stubborn. In his old age, he's getting more stubborn. Amen. I do want to thank God for my dad. I'm grateful for him being here today. Close calls make you grateful for those who are still here with you. Some time ago, Dad was uh, dealing with a heart situation in the hospital. And uh, in those moments when you're not sure what's going to happen and what has happened, everyone hates the call. Amen? No one likes the call. When they get the call, Dad's on his way to the hospital. And I remember going to the hospital to check on him and praying for him. And in those moments, you remember the things that he taught you. At least that's what I do. And I remembered as I was driving to the hospital, um, Dad taught me how to bait a hook. I know that sounds crazy. Um, He taught me how to exaggerate when you tell everyone how big the fish was. Because we were there, we saw it, it was this big. But in the story, you wouldn't believe it, son. It was this big. I'm grateful for the fact that he taught me how to go to church and didn't just teach me to go to church, but he took me to church. I read a stat. I have no clue if it's true or not, but I think it's probably very close to being true. When a child gets saved, 3% of the time, the family follows the child to church. When a woman gets saved, a mama gets saved, 33% of the time a family comes to church and follows mom to church. But when a dad gets right with God, 93% of the time the family come to church and they follow God. Dads, I don't care how many times you fall. I don't care how big of a mess you make. The greatest legacy you can ever leave your family is to get back up and go serve God. And Dad, I want to thank you for taking me to the house of the Lord, buying me my first set of drums. I beat the stew out of those things. And I'm here today because of your love and you're you're leading me into the things of God. I love you and Mom, and I honor you today. We honor every dad today. Amen? How many dads are in the house? Would you lift your hand? Dads, I want everyone to help me celebrate these men of God that have got their hands up. Come on, help me celebrate them. And I want to tell you this, Dad, we want to honor you and thank you so much. We went out and bought ribs and banana pudding, made banana pudding just for you. So after this service is over today, don't you leave before I get through preaching. Because if you do, the ribs will not be blessed for you. Amen. But when I get through preaching today on your way out, we want you to go to the exit in the back. We're going to have ribs and banana pudding for every dad. Amen. And we want to just, yeah, you didn't know you was going to, some of y'all didn't know y'all was going to get that. You just, all the, we should have told y'all that in the beginning because some of y'all would have had a happier worship experience. Amen. But now you know, so let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Praise God. 
On your way out today, every dad, we have ribs and banana pudding for you, and we're grateful for you, and we want to honor you today. I was thinking of a dad's story I could tell on myself real quick while I'm going to the book of Genesis. Um, I, I remember when Jeremiah was first born, I was 21, Devin was, uh, she had just turned 21, and uh, he was our first, and one night I woke up and he had, I'm sorry, he had just wet the entire bed. He slept between Devin and I. He had wet the entire bed. I said, my Lord, he's dying. Anybody that wet the bed like this, there is something drastically wrong with this child. Get him up. We took him to the emergency room in the middle of the night. Got him to the doctor. When we got there, the doctor, I said, I'm crying, I'm screaming, something's wrong with his bladder, something's wrong somewhere. He's just wet the entire bed. Took his diaper off. And the doctor said, who put Vaseline all over this baby's diaper? And Devin said, not me. And I turned around and looked. And she said, why did you do that? I said, I wanted her to be comfortable. I had waterproof the entire diaper and the water just went all over the bed. And the doctor said, next time, let the diaper do the work and you go back to sleep. Amen. So I want to thank God that Jeremiah survived. Amen. 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 Go to the book of Genesis with me today. Somebody said, what does that have to do with what you're preaching? Absolutely nothing. Except that I have the microphone and I'll say what I want. Praise God. I want you to go to the Bible today. I want you to turn to the book of Genesis. We're going to begin in verse 37. Chad, with those scriptures that I gave you. Genesis 37, verse number 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, a sheaf arose and stood upright. Indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his word. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I dreamed another dream. This time the sun, the moon, the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers and his fathers and Brothers rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? His brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in his mind. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here am I. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? He said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from there for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. 
So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. When they saw him afar off, even before they came near, he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said one to another, Let this dream, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, watch this, we shall say, some wild beast has come and devoured him. We shall see what will become of this dreamer and his dreams. But Reuben heard it and delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring, back, bring him back to his father. And so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic or his coat, the tunic or the coat of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. They sat down to eat a meal and lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them to Egypt. So Judah said to his brother, brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother. And our flesh and his brothers listen. Skip down to verse number 31. So they took Joseph's coat, killed a goat, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know where it is, where, whether it is your son's or not? And he recognized it. Watch this. Watch this, father. He recognized it. And said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn into pieces. Jacob tore his clothes. Look at this father. Jacob tore his clothes. Put sackcloth on his waist. And mourned for his son many days. All of his sons and daughters rose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said these words, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites sold him into Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. I want you to flip over to chapter 45 very quickly. There's a lot of scripture today, but I want you to catch this story. This is... 22 years after Joseph was lost and Jacob determined his son to be dead. 22 years later, listen to this. Verse 25. And the brothers of Joseph went up out of Egypt. Genesis 45, 25. And the brothers of Joseph went up out of Egypt. And they came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told Israel or Jacob saying, Joseph is still alive. Oh, somebody missed it. 22 years after thinking he was dead and gone, they came back to dad and said, Dad, Joseph is still alive. 
He is governor over not only his alive, but Joseph has the hookup. He is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob, the father's heart, stood still because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Somebody say, his spirit revived. Then Israel said, it is enough. Jacob said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Look at verse 1 of 46. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba. He offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. The God, then God spoke to him in a vision of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. He said, here am I. Watch this. I'm done. Verse 3. He said to Jacob in Beersheba, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt and will surely, somebody say surely. Somebody say it with an attitude. Say surely. I will surely bring you up again and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. May the Lord add his blessing to his word today. I want to preach a message through fathers, not just to fathers. It's a setup today on Father's Day to talk about this father, but I'm not just preaching to fathers, I'm preaching through them. Don't stop believing. Look at your neighbor right now, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, whatever you do. No, come on, tell them like you mean it. Say, whatever you do. Don't stop believing. Come on, let's pray. Father, help us today. We ask in the name of Jesus to understand and receive and take this word in us today. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to my heart this week that you wanted to revive the hope of somebody in this house, somebody who had given up hope, somebody who had stopped believing. But I thank you for this word of encouragement on this Father's Day that you're not through yet and what we've given up on you are still working on. You are still very much involved in. And I just believe today is a turn pin day, Lord. It's a day when you're going to flip a switch. Today is a divine moment. It's a Kairos opportunity for somebody. And I pray, Lord, that they're in the midst of the report that they're believing. Let a greater report come up in this house today. A report that causes faith to rise up and every doubt to die. In the name of Jesus, everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It's always a challenge to know what direction to go in on these special days like Mother's Day and Father's Day. It's, It's a day of collision in the church. It's a collision between happiness and thanksgiving and some have sadness and frustration, even pain as they look back over the relationship that they've had with their father in the past and some of the chapters of your life with your father may not have been beautiful. I I want today to somehow, by the help of the Holy Spirit, transcend all of the emotion of the day and speak to the spiritual truth and reality that is present in this moment. 
whether you are thankful and happy and grateful for all of the wonderful chapters or whether the past with your father was something that you choose to forget and not to think about. I want you to tell you today that your relationship with your heavenly father is to be exponentially greater, higher, and on a completely different level than even the best relationship we've had with our earthly father. That's not to say we should be thankful, but it is to say that there is no Abba, there is no father, there's no one as faithful as our heavenly father is. How many can testify today to his track record? How many can testify today to his faithfulness? I want to praise him today that he's always been faithful to me. In fact, when I was reading this text before us today, it's the little things in the text that matter sometimes. You cannot miss it. You, you have to pay attention to the fact that God vacillates between this man Jacob, Israel, goes back and forth between his name. I know that that seems trivial, but I think it's a very clear reminder of the faithfulness of God even when we are faithless. Because when you examine the life of Jacob, you will see that Jacob's life is like a giant roller coaster. Jacob is up one moment. I know nobody can relate to this in here. Everyone in here always lives on a high. But Jacob, on the other hand, is someone who is up and down. He's wrestling with God one day, lying the next day. He's walking with God one day, and he's turning his back on God another day. There's this Jacob side of him, this trickster. This supplanter, this, this, this one who is always trying to, to take things illegally. And yet after the wrestling match with God at Peniel, we are told that God smite him, smites him on the hip and he walks away from this wrestling match with the angel of the Lord and he limps for the rest of his life. But the thing about Jacob that day is even though he lost the wrestling match, he got the blessing and was granted a name change. He went from Jacob to Israel. Jacob means trickster, but Israel means prince with God. You must understand that life is a, is a thing of a metamorphosis. Don't ever judge somebody when they're in a Jacob season because God in his love has an appointment with that man or woman and in their future they're going to find out God always wins. And when God wins in your life, God will knock the pride. You don't have to say amen, but God will knock the pride out of you sometimes. God knows how to get us back on our knees again. God will take the rebellion right out of you and he'll humble you because the heels melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. And God always knows how to get you out of Jacob and into Israel. And so when this story goes back and forth between Jacob and Israel, it is not that God is schizophrenic. It is that God is reminding us that he's the God of the Jacob side just as much as he is the God of the Israel side. Oh, can we praise him for that today? Can somebody help me thank God today that even though you had a Jacob past, you have an Israel future. And God is not unwilling to be identified with your failure. He does not say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, 
I'm thankful God doesn't just claim me because of all the trophies, but God claims that stuff in me. Nobody else is willing to associate themselves with me over. God loves me and the stuff about me that nobody, everybody else would have acted like they didn't know who I was. But he is the God of Jacob. He's not just the God of when I get my ducks in a row. He's the God of me messing up and making a horrible mess out of all of it. He goes back and forth between this Jacob and Israel piece. He's faithful. He's not intimidated by your screw up and your mess up. He doesn't act like he, come on, y'all got some kids? You ever tried to act like those kids wasn't yours because the way, come on, y'all don't have to say amen, just wink at me. Ever been in a store and your kid was louder than everybody else's in the store? Screaming, going crazy, carrying on, and people looking around like, whose child does that belong to? I don't have a clue. We need to find the parents. Shut up. <laughs> God claims you mess and all. God doesn't just claim the Israel side of you. He claims the Jacob side of you. The Bible tells us that this man Jacob has 12 sons. I won't go through it, man. There's a word in that for the 12 sons of Jacob. But he had one in his old age named Joseph. And the Bible said because Joseph was a son of Jacob's old age, he was favored by his father. Now I want to tell you something about favor. You can't buy favor. You can't purchase favor. You can't be good enough for favor. In fact, favor is so incredible because favor has absolutely nothing to do with the person receiving it. It has everything to do with the heart of the one who is demonstrating it. And this is good for us today to understand that any favor you have on your life has absolutely nothing to do with you. Oh, I don't know who needs this today, but somebody in this room today, you need, to be un you need to be under the understanding that it was not your voice that made God like you. He gave you the voice. It wasn't your bank account that made God like you. He gave you the bank account. It wasn't your suit, and it wasn't your, it wasn't your high cheekbones, and it wasn't your lips, and it wasn't your hair, and it wasn't who you run with, and it wasn't all your fame. None of that drew God to you. The reason God loved you has nothing to do with anything you offered him. Favor is not something you earn. Favor is something that the Father gives. Look at your neighbor tell them favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. I don't know. Bishop Jakes taught us this many years ago. Favor ain't fair. You don't earn favor. You don't get good enough for favor. You don't wake up one morning and achieve favor. I want you to understand favor wasn't even your idea, honey. Favor came from God. God decided to open those doors for you. You better be real careful who you give glory to because it wasn't you that got through that door. You didn't wiggle your way into that blessing. It was God that was staying up at night while you were asleep arranging your future ordering your steps opening doors no man can close closing doors no man can open favor is not fair anybody know what it's like to have the favor of God on your life favor the stuff God does for you that you don't deserve I remember several years ago when God gave us the greatest miracle he ever gave us, gave us in the history. You know, favor sometimes will put you in a weird place. You don't even know who to share it with. 
I, I remember several years ago when God gave us the greatest miracle, financial miracle he ever gave our church. This is six, seven years ago. A $4 million offering in one day. You ought to bring, see, celebrate somebody else's favor. Yeah, some people, you say that people, I don't like him. Why? It wasn't me. I was on the receiving end. I didn't even know it was coming. But I got real thankful. You say, I don't know. I don't know. You would get real thankful too if God gave your church $4 million. I remember when God gave it to us. This is a true story, Rick Smith. I picked my phone up to call my friends, to tell my friends what God had done for us. And I started scrolling through my contacts, and I couldn't think of one person I could call to share that miracle with and them not get skeptical or hate on me. Y'all ain't going to say nothing in here. Y'all going to sit up in here and wait on a buffet after church, but I'm going to preach this thing before I walk off this stage today. I didn't know who to call. I was so grateful for the miracle. I just wanted to celebrate it with somebody, and I thought, oh, I'll call him. Mm, but he won't celebrate it. Oh, I'll call him. Oh, but he already don't like what's happening in my life. And I sat there and thought, how sad. Favor will not only attract people who celebrate. Favor will put you in a whole nother class of hate. Some of you are trying to figure out why people don't like you and it has very little to do with you and a whole lot to do with the thing going on in them. See, what you've got to learn how to do is be grateful even when people hate on you. You got to be grateful even when your enemy rises up. I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about the devil. And how many know that principalities need personalities to manifest themselves through? Anytime you see somebody hating on the favor of God in your life, they're not really, it's not really that person. What it is is that spirit that hates you trying to find somebody to manifest through and, and persuade you to believe you don't deserve this. Can I give you and hell a newsflash today? Ain't nobody more aware of the fact that I don't deserve favor than I am. But can't nobody in this room talk me out of being thankful for receiving something that I know I didn't deserve. You gotta know how in the face of adversity and enemies to bless the Lord for all he's done for you. The Bible said that his brothers hated him because his the favor of the Father was on his life. But not only did they hate him for favor, they hated him because he had a future. Now we teach this wrong in the church. We say his brothers hated him because he had a dream. That is not what your Bible says. The Bible says they hated him because his father loved him more. But they hated him the more because of his dream. It doesn't mean that the dream made them hate him. It meant that the dream made the brothers hate Joseph more. He had favor and a future. I want you to slap your neighbor next to you this morning at 9 a.m. service and tell them you have favor and a future. I don't know if they received it, so look over at the other neighbor and tell them you have favor and a future. 
That's why people are going to try to stop you because you have favor and the future. That's why the enemy is trying to harass you because you have favor and the future. That's why the devil wakes you up in the morning trying to tell you you are not loved because you are loved. You are blessed. The next time somebody asks you who you think you are, ask them how much time do you have. Let me look at my Apple III watch and tell you what time it is. I'll tell you who I am. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. You've got to know who you are. People will always rise up in your life telling you what you're not. But as long as you know the favor of the Father and the future you have in Him, nobody can steal your confidence. Say, I have favor and I have a future. But as we will understand, having favor and having a future will often get you into trouble. So it was with Joseph, he is sent out by his father Jacob. Now I wish I had time to talk about this because the Bible tells us that Jacob or Israel, same man, sends out his beloved son Joseph to check on his brothers He sends him initially to Shechem. But the Bible says that the young man, he was 17 years old. I find it interesting that the Bible gives us his age. The young man is 17 years old. Joseph is 17 years old when Israel sends him out. And the Bible says that he is wandering. He he is found in a field wandering around looking for his brothers. This says something to me about the relationship between Jacob and Joseph. Although Jacob... Jacob favored Joseph. I am not quite convinced Jacob prepared his son as he should have to release him as quickly as he did. Because Joseph is now lost and wandering in a field. Read your Bible. And the Bible says in the 37th chapter of Genesis that Joseph is wandering around in a field looking for his brothers. It's the, 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 the language seems to indicate Joseph had lost his direction. He did not know where he was, and a man had to come help him find his brothers. I want to say this gently as I move through this text today. Fathers, make sure you prepare your sons for what you're going to release them to. Don't send them out prematurely. Oh, we get ourselves in a mess in a church, sons, when we want to go be released before we've been prepared and trained for the assignment at hand. How many know one way not to get lost is to walk with somebody who's traveled the path before? I'm not going to get no help in here today. But I want to make sure that the young men and the young women in this house understand we are grateful for zeal, passion, fire. You've got to go. We want to send you. But there has to come a point in your life when you prepare yourself for the future God has because you don't know what you're going to get into in your future. And we got to make sure you don't get lost in a field looking for your assignment. The Bible says, and this was mercy, this was grace. God sent a man into this field to find Joseph and he said your brothers are in Dothan. Joseph then sent by his father Jacob goes to Dothan looking for his brothers who are tending sheep and they see him coming afar off and they said here comes this dreamer. Now heretofore I have preached about Joseph but I'm getting ready now to switch and talk about Jacob because he's really the assignment today because Jacob sends his beloved son out, his favored son. And the Bible says that this son was close to his heart, the heart of the father, but he wasn't necessarily close to the heart of the brothers. 
And the brothers see him coming. And they say, here comes this dreamer. Watch. Let us take him. Kill him. And we will tell everybody that a wild beast devoured him. Don't forget that. And one of the brothers, Reuben, stands up and says, let us not have this blood on our hands. Throw him in a pit. God, I wish I had time to teach this. The Bible said in Genesis that the pit they threw Joseph in was a pit with no water. Satan loves dry places. In the book of Matthew, I preached about it this past week at youth camp. The Bible said, watch this, when a demon is cast out of a man, that the demon goes throughout the earth looking for a dry place. I found out that the devil likes to hide in dry places. And I want you to see this picture. Here is a man favored, a man with a future who's been thrown in a dry pit. How many know that the enemy wants to show up in a dry place and try to tell you how your life is over? They throw him in a pit, sold into Potiphar's, into the hands of the Midianites, who then is, takes him and sells him into the hand of Potiphar. Now watch this. When they come back and Reuben cannot find him, they take his coat. They strip off this coat, this coat of many colors as it has been called throughout history. This tunic, this, this one-piece garment that is special given by his father. And they take this garment, watch this, and they kill a goat. They dip the tunic, this coat of many colors that was on Joseph, in the blood of the goat and take the bloody garment back to the father. And the father says, this garment is my son's. A wild beast, don't miss it, has devoured him. What does that sound like? It sounds exactly like what the brothers said when they said, let's get rid of him. Don't miss it. The brothers said, let's get rid of him and kill him and tell him a wild beast devoured him. What are you making this point for, Pastor? Because the same devil that was telling the brothers how to get rid of their son is the same devil telling the father that the son is already dead and is gone beyond hope. See, this spirit is talking to the family. God, help me preach today. This spirit is talking to everybody in the family. It's telling the brothers, tell them that a wild beast kill them. But then when they find the coat and they take it to Jacob, Jacob hears that same voice and said, a beast killed him. How do we know? Why do we get all this wild beast talk? Because the devil's talking to the family. And he says, my son, don't miss it. My son, who I love, is dead. And I shall go down to the grave mourning for my lost son. And that is where God put a pen for me this week. I had something. I was going to preach on the radar. But the Lord said to me this week in prayer, somebody is hopeless about something they love. They have given up hope and stopped believing and they have said it's over. Jacob loved Joseph. And now the thing that Jacob loves, the evidence of it is now before him. It is a coat of many colors that belong to Joseph. And blood is dripping off the coat. 
And Jacob looks at the evidence and said, the thing I love is dead. Be careful what you say out of your mouth based on voices that you hear but you cannot see. Satan is trying to tell somebody in this room today that thing you love, the thing you cared about, the thing you've been wanting, the thing that you've shown love to, the thing that you've asked God for, the future, the ministry, the marriage, the family, the child, the relationship, the husband, the wife, whatever it is that was precious and dear to you, the thing you cared about, the thing that kept you up at night, the thing you were believing God for, the thing that you just hoped would come to pass one day, you got to be real careful how you interpret the evidence. Because sometimes Satan will bring you a coat that is, that is soaked in blood and you will think that is the end of my ministry. That is the end of my future. That is the end of my marriage. That is the end of my relationship with my children. The business is dead. I'm bankrupt. It's over. There's no hope for my future. My past is, my, my best days were in my past. My future is hopeless. I will mourn the rest of my life. I will be miserable for the rest of my days the thing I love is now gone the problem with the church is we come to church like that oh you don't have to say amen you don't have to say just wiggle a little bit squirm in your seat you know what I'm talking about we come to church and we hear these kind of messages and we believe oh God he's preaching to somebody else he can't possibly be preaching to me I saw the evidence I saw Joseph's coat in blood Joseph was devoured by a wild beast he is dead my life will never be the same my future is forever ruined I'll never have any hope anymore and we consign ourselves to mourning. He stayed in this place of mourning and all of his sons and daughters come around his bed. And the Bible said they tried to comfort him, but he would not be comforted. There's some people in this room today you are satisfied when somebody pats you on the back and says, oh, praise the Lord. You are blessed and highly favored. You're blessed coming in and blessed going out, blessed in the city. And, the and that's all you need to be to feel blessed. But there are some people in this room today, all that don't move you. All that church talk don't help you none. People come up and pat you on the back. You bet blessed and highly favored. God got his hand on your life. And while you're smiling on the outside, on the inside, I just want to tell you what I think about you. You don't know how long I've been in this mess. You don't know how long I've been screwed up on the inside. You have no long, you have no clue how many tears I've cried, how many nights I've been up, how many times I've walked my floor, how many times I've told myself there's no reason for living, and you're up here with your little cute self, your little Estee Lauder, and your new weave, and your new perm, and your nice nails, and your high heels, telling me how God has been so good to you. I'm thankful he's been good to you but inside somewhere there's a disconnect for me because Joseph is dead I wish I could tell you that thing lasted a week but 22 years Jacob the old man sat on his bedside 
I know they didn't have pictures, but if they did, he was looking at that picture of Joseph every day of his life. The image of Joseph in his mind. He cannot forget the times that he walked down the brook. The times that he ran out in the field with the boy. Jacob loved Joseph, his son, because Joseph was a son in his old age. Can you see, ja can you see Jacob, the old man? And he rises up one more time and, and, and takes the son out with him. And he have fun. And he's thinking in his old age, God, thank you for Joseph. He, he woke me up again. I got new life again. But now that memory. It's painful. The cherished thought is now a hurtful thorn in the conscience of an old man who is sitting on his bedside, dying on the inside for 22 years. He cannot be comforted. And we got people in the church who can't stand a trial for one week. Oh, God. Well, I want God to hurry up and do it. The problem is, you're not ready yet. Some people, listen, there, there's, there's a lack of brokenness in the church. I'm going to preach this thing right here. There's a lack of brokenness in the church. This, this haughtiness that we all of a sudden started having. When, listen, you've got to preach the kingdom and you've got to talk about authority. But don't ever mistake it. There is no way, there is no shortcut, shortcut into the presence of God. you still got to have a broken and a contrite spirit. There's some people who haven't wept enough tears. I'm not talking about earning something. I'm talking about being in the place of thanksgiving to God. True, authentic praise. When you're just grateful to have survived and you look back over your life and you know it was the Lord. Joseph, 22 years, he is being told every day in his mind it's dead. All the while, what he believes is dead, God is raising up. Can I tell you that some of the things you thought were dead, God is still working on. And the pain of it is that you can't see what God is up to. Egypt is miles and miles away from where Joseph, uh, Jacob is. Egypt is, that's where Joseph was. Joseph was in Egypt. Egypt is miles and miles away from Israel. Joseph is in Egypt his father Jacob is back in Israel and Jacob does not have the luxury of seeing what God is doing in the life of Joseph sometimes you got to learn how to keep on believing even when you can't see what you're believing for sometimes you've got to know family that God is up to something even when you cannot see what God is up to there are seasons in your life that make great sense and they provide great joy and they seem to validate that God's hand is on your life but there are other chapters there are other seasons when you wake up every day thinking about Joseph not knowing that what you feel like is dead God is really working on right now. The Bible said that Joseph was in Egypt. Jacob was in Israel for 22 years. Jacob is thinking Joseph is dead. And one day a famine comes to Israel and everybody is forced to go to Egypt to get some food. And who in the world is the viceroy and the vice president and the food manager of Egypt? 
It just happens to be the one they hated and threw in a pit. You got to watch people who walk with God because people who walk with God can be in a pit on chapter one and wind up the vice president in the last chapter of the story. You got to be careful who you throw in a pit. You got to be careful who you count out. You got to be careful who you call off and say God can't bless them because God will bless some people just to show you you're not God and you can't stop what God is up to. When God's favor is on your life, God will open doors for you even when haters are trying to lock the padlock and keep you out. In fact, I found out that when God is for you, even along the journey, they'll put you in prison because Potiphar's wife lied on you. But even in the prison, your gift will make room for you because all you got to do is interpret the dream. All you got to do is wait on the butler and the baker. I don't know who I came to preach to today, but a butler and a baker are on the way into your life. You say, why do I need a butler? Because a butler is somebody that walks up to a door and says, it's time to come on in. And a baker is somebody that takes this and that and this and that and them and that season and they mix all the ingredients together and at the end of the day, they pull it out of the oven and testify that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. I want you to slap somebody and tell your neighbor, neighbor, a butler and a baker are on their way into your life. God's getting ready to open up a door for you that nobody can shut. God's getting ready to work some things together for your good. The enemy don't like it, but God's going to make the enemy pay. Somebody give God praise. The Bible says that in Egypt, out of prison, out of Potiphar's house, into the vast presidency, God gives Joseph a strategy. And the strategy is save. Because seven years of increase are going to be followed by seven years of famine. And they store up enough corn in Israel to last through seven years of famine. And Egypt, rather, not Israel, Egypt has all of the produce and everybody from the surrounding areas has to come to Egypt to eat from the hand of Joseph and see this old man Jacob I'm about through see this old man Jacob sitting on the side of his bed 22 years of tears 22 years of mourning 22 years of the devil whispering in his ear I took Joseph out of your life 22 years of it'll never be the same 22 years of the best is behind you 22 years of you have no future 22 years of sitting in a pool of his own tears believing he will never see his son again and all of a sudden hunger drives the family back to Egypt and they come into the presence of Joseph. And here's what your Bible says. They did not know it was Joseph. Here are the sons that put him in a pit. And they looked at Joseph and didn't even know him. Why didn't they know him? Because he didn't look like the way they left him. Oh my God, I'm getting ready to start a fight in here today. I'm telling you, you don't look like what you've been through. I don't know how the devil left you, but he's not going to recognize you the next time he sees you. The last time he saw you, you were in a pit living on life support. But today, oh, you're the head and not the tail.
tail. You're above and not beneath. Not only do you not live in the projects, you own the house. Somebody give God glory. I know what time it is. My Apple free watch tells me I got nine minutes to preach. I want to preach to somebody that when the devil walked off and thought you were dead, God was just getting started. It ain't over. Hallelujah. The Bible says that they came into Joseph's presence and they didn't know it was Joseph. So the Bible says he knew it was them. He sends them back. Watch this. To get his father. Sit right here, partner. Sit right here for me. I'm going to finish this in just a minute. Hallelujah. He sends him back to get his father. He said, is my father Jacob still alive? Come on in here, y'all. I can preach. Come on, come on. We can preach right through that. The Bible says that they went back to get Jacob. Jacob, by this time, is over 130 years old. Can you see him in his house? looking through his mud wall all of a sudden the entourage of Pharaoh shows up and they come in the 11 brothers come in and say dad you're not going to believe this 22 years the man was sitting on the side of his bed thinking that it is over 22 years of being persuaded to believe that the best was behind him and the future was not worth living for and all of a sudden in one moment what it took years for the enemy to bury him under in 22 years one report turns the entire situation around I, I want to praise God today whose report will you believe I shall believe the report of the Lord 22 years something's been telling you it can't live but I came today to tell somebody keep on believing what you thought was dead has really been growing God ain't from the bullshit I gotta preach watch okay let me get to this real quick look, look, look at Genesis 45 I'm gonna show you something I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to get out your hair or your toupee or your weave or your extensions or whatever you brought with you. Look at chapter 45, verse number 20. Uh, let's go to 6. It looks good. Joseph, they said to their father, is still alive. Look over at the person next to you and say, your, your miracle is still alive. Come on, tell them your ministry is still alive. Come on, tell them your future is still alive. Come on, you already buried yourself, but I come to tell you, rip the death certificate up. It ain't over yet. Joseph is still alive. Watch this. Joseph is still alive. Not only is he alive, he's governing all of Egypt. Can you imagine the daddy sitting there thinking, my 17-year-old boy was is dead in a pit somewhere his bones have already been uh, uh, taken somewhere and now all of a sudden not only is his son not dead but his son is the vice president of Egypt the Bible said that the report was so crazy that Joseph that Jacob's heart started stop beating his heart stood still because he could not 
Come on, did a macho man. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Some of y'all wouldn't laugh if you saw a gnat carry an elephant across the church this morning. You ain't all that important. We're going to laugh anyway. Hallelujah! He could not believe Jacob was still, Joseph was still alive. Watch, don't miss it. I almost missed it, but don't miss it. Do you know when his heart revived? It wasn't when he heard the word. You got, come on, look at your neighbor and say, get the word, get the word, get the word, get the word. Come on, say, get the word, get the word, get the word. You got to catch this word today. What you thought was dead isn't dead. But the, the man's heart did not revive when he got the word. His heart revived when he looked out the window and saw the wagon. The wagon. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, your ride is here. Oh, my God, I'm getting ready to preach before I go to my dressing room. Your ride is here. Look at your other neighbor. I don't think that neighbor caught it. Look over at your other neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, your ride is here. It's time for you to get out of your house. It's time for you to come out of this morning. It's time for you to come out of this depression. Cinderella, your ride is here. You waited 22 years for God to come and pick you up. And I just come to tell you, God is getting ready to move you from glory to glory. Your ride is here. Turn around and find four people and tell them your ride is here. Your ride is here. Your ride is here. I don't know why you're pouting. Your ride is here. I don't know why you're crying. Your wagon is out front. This ain't any little old wagon. Pharaoh sent the best. God's getting ready to make your enemy pay the bill to take you into a new level. Your ride. Oh, 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 you're right. Hallelujah. You're right. I feel a breakthrough getting ready to happen. Somebody's hope is being resurrected right now. Somebody's belief is getting raised up right now. You're right. It's here. Last thing that I'm through. Not only do you have to receive the word, not only do you have to catch the wagon, but finally, you got to give God praise. Watch, 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 watch. Go to the first verse, please, of the 46th chapter. Israel, Jacob, took his journey with all that he had, came to Beersheba, and did what? Come on, talk to me, church. He offered sacrifices to God. Keep going. Next verse. Watch this. Then God spoke to Israel in the, in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Watch this. He goes through Beersheba. And in Beersheba, before he ever sees J Joseph's face, elder, he started praising God for what he had not seen yet. Go back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. Go back. He took his journey with all that he had. Kids. Them grandkids, them great-grandkids, donkeys and goats, sheep and camels. This is an old man who gets all of his stuff and starts moving toward Egypt. And somewhere on the journey, he looks at all of his family 
he oh God you better quit and he looks at all of his cattle and he looks at all of his kids and on his way to see what was still alive that he thought was dead Jacob said hold on a minute I need to have a praise break on my way to see Joseph first of all I need to offer God a sacrifice not for what he's done not just for what he's gonna do but for what he's already done when I look out in this field Jacob said I see my family I see my grandbabies I see all the cattle and I know it was God who did it so I gotta give God a praise right now somebody needs to give God praise right now you gotta take inventory and if you know there's some stuff in your life that God did, you need to give him praise for it right now. I'm looking at people who are not praising God and I'm trying to figure out why you're not praising God. It must mean he's not done anything for you. But if he has done anything, let everything that has breath praise. Not only was he offering praise because of what God had already done, but he was offering praise that in a few days he was going to be living in a new house in a land called Egypt and Pharaoh was going to have to pay the bill and he was going to look at his son who the devil said was dead and he said before I ever see Joseph I'm going to praise God on credit and give God glory for what he's about to do in my life. Somebody praise him right now. Praise God for what he's getting ready to do in your life. Praise God for what he's getting ready to do in your family. Praise God for what he's getting ready to do in your ministry. Let everything that damnable shut up. I'm through with this. And uh, we got to go. Oh, oh, oh. What you thought was dead. Stand with me, I'm through preaching. What you thought was dead is still alive. You just can't stop believing. Woo! Hako Shia. There are only two options. God simplifies the whole thing for us down to two options. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. I got one voice saying he's dead. But I just looked out the window and the wagon has come to pick somebody up today. You're not going to stay stuck where you've been. Your ride is here. done with this they take him in the wagon all the way to Goshen oh God I wish I had time Goshen where the light never gets turned off Goshen where favor is flowing like a river 
Goshen, that place in Egypt that God set aside for the people of God. And even when the curse tried to come in, the curse could not enter Goshen. That was God's land for his people, even in a foreign place. God said to that father, I need to say this to some daddy in here today. Spiritual fathers, biological fathers, I need to say this to you today. It's the same words. Put that third verse up there if you don't mind. Keep playing, Brian. I'm in the spirit right now. He said to Jacob in his old age in Beersheba. See, there's somebody in here today. You don't feel like you have long to live. I don't care if you live one more day or another decade. God will do what he said he would do. He don't need, don't miss this, he doesn't need more time than you have left. He doesn't need more time than you have left. He's able to reach back in all those moments we lost and redeem. 22 years of waiting and daddy walks into the room and the Bible said, Joseph and his daddy, Jacob, fell on each other's neck, kissed one another, and embraced for a long time. You say, can you please break that hug up? That's getting weird. Y'all been hugging too long. Oh, be quiet. You don't know how long I've been waiting on this miracle. promises to dads today before we go home. God visited dad in a place called Beersheba and said to him, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for I am with you. Watch this. And I will make you a great nation there. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. They went into Egypt 70 strong. They came out a mighty nation. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that you have underestimated God's ability to reproduce through your life. You think God's got to finish it all in your lifetime. That's why God gave you the ability to reproduce both biologically and spiritually. Because it will never be finished in you alone. It will always come through your sons and daughters. Your ladder will be greater than your past. You will be blessed. More than you can ask, despite all the pain that has been done, your best 
yet to come. Because of Jesus, your ladder will be greater. Your ladder will be greater. Your ladder will be greater than your past. If there's anybody in here who's given up on something, thinking it was dead, something's come back to life in you today. Lift your hands where you're standing and receive the grace of God for this word to come to pass in your life right now. You want to know where Jesus, keep praising him, you want to know where Jesus is in this text? Jesus is in that bloody goat who was slain in the story. They thought they were covering the, the coat of their brother Joseph, but really the goat typifies the lamb who was slain to cover the sins of the brothers. We need to praise God this morning for the lamb that was slain to cover our sins. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I wish you would praise the Lord in here. If somebody near you lifted their hand up because they received this word, reach over, stretch your hand. Come on, lift your hand if that was you. I want to pray for you before we go. If you stretched your hand up and you said, Pastor, something's coming back to life in me. Something's coming back to life in my heart again. Stretch your hand up high. I want to know who I'm praying for right now. If their hand is up near you, just lay your hand over on their shoulder. I rebuke the lie of the enemy off of their lives. Now in the name of Jesus. Lies that have kept them from believing. Lies that have tried to provide evidence suggesting that the thing they are passionate and the thing that they love and the thing that they are hoping for is somehow irrevocably and irretrievably lost. The devil is a liar. What you gave up on, sir, what you gave up on, ma'am, God has been building it. You haven't been able to see what he's up to. You haven't seen the elevation of Joseph. Thus you thought Joseph was dead, but while you were away and while you were crying tears, I want to tell you God was working on what was on your heart. Holy Ghost, lift your hands all over this room right now. Thank God for new beginnings today. Come on. Thank him, thank him, thank him. That's not something you can do silently. Thank him. Thank him, thank him. I gave up on it, but God ain't through with it. I told myself it would never happen, but God ain't through with it. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people today. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit would seal the word today. I pray for somebody whose faith has languished and their trust and belief in the promises somehow subsided. The enemy has persuaded them to believe it's over. Not today, devil. Get it behind us and under our feet right now. We shall believe the report of the Lord. Today, by the grace of God, we're going from glory to glory. Your wagon is here. Your ride is ready. Now, as you go today, go believing that what God has started in you, God is faithful to finish, faithful to, to restore. Your spirit is being revived today in the name of Jesus. Let's give them one more big praise before we leave this room. Come on.
Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Dads, we love you. We love everybody. We're honored today that dads are with us on your way out. If you would go to the lobby, get some ribs and banana pudding. It's on us. A little token of our honor and love for you. God bless you as you leave today. We'll see you Wednesday night right here in the house of the Lord. Go in the peace of God.